Stretch handoff to Algier. Algier second level 30, 25, 20. He's going in! Touchdown, Tyler Algier! The dump off screen to Romney makes the catch. Steps through a tackle, first down and more down the near sideline. 30, 20, inside 10, 5, he's going in! Touchdown, Gunnar Romney from 45 yards out. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel at BYU Football Media Day 2021. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, following a year in which there was no BYU Football Media Day and this studio was silent, BYU Football is back in preseason mode, and so are we with this 2021 BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I am Greg Rubel. I welcome you inside Studio 3 at BYU Radio inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, and we'll be with you live for the next two hours visiting with BYU players, coaches, and administrators helping to stoke the fires for the start of the 2021 college football season and, as importantly, the return of fans to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and venues all over the country. We are going to kick off the show with the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake. He is coming up momentarily. We'll tell you what the show is going to look like today before we get totally underway. Kalani will kick us off. A new program was unveiled today at BYU called Built for Life. If you've been following BYU football on social media today, you've seen a lot about it and heard a lot about it. We'll get deeper into it with BYU's new associate AD in charge of this program and other things, Gary Verone, along with kicker and punter Cash Peterman. They'll be with us to discuss the Built for Life program. Back to the X's and O's. We'll visit with the three quarterbacks competing for the starting QB spot at BYU. Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, and Jacob Conover. We'll talk with two of the top defenders for the Cougars this year in Uriah Leatawa and Peyton Wilgar. We'll head back to the coaching side of things, speak with coordinators Elisa Tuiaki on the defensive side of the ball and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, who's also BYU's safeties coach, Coach Tuiaki doubling up as the D-line coach. That's in our number two, along with... Aaron Roderick, Fessy Sitaki, Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, Neil Pau, James MP, Clark Barrington, all coming up on the show. And as any good quarterback is wont to do, sometimes we call audibles. Kalani Sitaki will be standing by as we start the show with BYU's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, Aaron Roderick. A-Rod, good to speak with you. Good to be here. Good to have you at a media day that didn't exist last year. Mm-hmm. And at this time last year, we weren't really sure if football would be played. Um, let's just flash back for a second. Uh, take us back to a year ago in that kind of limbo land. Um, do you remember what you were feeling and what your players were thinking and how you were kind of communicating about what might be in store for 2020? Yeah, it was a stressful time for sure. I mean, first of all, just, you know, for the world, I mean, it sounds sounds dramatic, but just worldwide, you didn't know exactly what was going to happen, you know, and, and how serious everything was. Um, and then, you know, just from a football standpoint, we were all just, you know, I, I knew we, I knew we had a really good football team and I didn't want to see that go to waste. I wanted to have a chance to play. And so it's nice to be back a year later with what's going to looking like going to be a more normal season. Yeah. We're feeling like it's back to normal, right? It sure feels like it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, just doing things like this today and coaching camps, you know, with a bunch of high school kids the last couple of weeks and things like that just feel like, you know, having these position meetings with our players and they're doing their summer workouts and, and all that stuff just feels like we're we're on our way back to normal. And and you got through it. I mean, like we, the team, the program, yeah. the school, we kind of got through this thing in yeah. a way, uh, maybe not enough being pay, attention being paid to the fact that somehow it got done and you yeah. played 12 games and you won 11 games and a lot of great things happened and five guys got drafted. It, it ended up being such a stellar success out of such a situation of uncertainty. Yeah, it did. You know, I had an experience. I went to the draft with Zach, and um, in the in the uh, green room there, you can, you know, you can wander around and mingle with the other draft, the other draft picks and and uh, families and stuff. And mm-hmm. I saw Ed Ogeron, I saw Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, and I saw Coach Franklin from Penn State, and all three of them mentioned uh, how much football, how much BYU football they saw this year. Because really, we were playing when no one else was playing, yeah. and. Each of them said very specific things and uh, about seeing us play. Where it was clear they had watched us, and that was fun. And 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 they were very complimentary. And not only of how well we played, but the fact that we were we were just we were playing, and that football 
it just it just I thought sent a good message that BYU football is important and that we're you know I don't want to say we're back because we didn't go anywhere but that that uh, you know it's a big deal. But in a year where in August you're sitting there with maybe one game on the schedule yeah. to then putting yourself in the draft room with coaches who are saying, man, BYU was everywhere. What a, what a, what a great transition to have made and done so successfully. Yeah, that was, that was I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, because those, those are coaches I respect a lot. Mm-hmm. I've met, I've met those guys before. I used to recruit against Ed Ogeron and stuff. And, and so for him to say that, or, or Pat Fitzgerald, who I've, I've known for a while, I mean, that was, those were, um, you know, I know those guys well enough to know they don't just say that just to say it. They saw us play, and and um, it was a, it was great to be playing football and be playing at a high level. All right, what does it mean to have gotten uh, twelve games played and eleven games won last year? <clears throat> um, well, the biggest thing I took from it was just our players. I think in the past year learned what it takes to win a game. You know, and 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 so this year we're trying. I've really tried to, at least with our offense, not to focus on the end goal or the total number of wins or definitely don't want to talk about how many wins defines a good season or anything like that. What we're trying to focus on is the steps and the process it takes to go beat a quality team, get that win, and then repeat it, and then do it again, and stack those good days together. And if you keep stacking those days at the end, we're gonna whatever that record is, it's gonna be something we're gonna be proud of, and it's gonna have a good reward at the end of it. And we know we got a tough schedule ahead of us, but I think I think last year really we really got into a groove of of uh, the process and how how you get it done. What games are what game or games were you most proud of than last year uh, of getting one? Oh man, um, well the Boise State one. I mean, just because of how much respect I have for those guys mm-hmm. and how hard it is to win at their place. So BYU had never done it. BYU had never done it. When I was at Utah, I got my rear end handed to me a couple of times by Boise State. I mean, they're good and they're well coached. They have good players, so that was a that was a great win. And I know they'll be gunning for us this year, and that'll be a tough game. Um, so that that was one. The win at Houston. I mean, at the time yeah. at the time Houston was playing really well. I kind of felt like a statement game for you guys. It did at, at and, that point of the season. And did and I think that was the game where Zach really uh, established himself that he was going to be a high draft pick. I mean, that was the game a lot of NFL scouts noticed that game partly because of how good Houston's defense was. Yeah. They, they had good players. I believe yeah. one of those DBs was a high draft pick. The D defensive end was a high draft mm-hmm. pick. Um, they had a linebacker, I believe, that got drafted. They they had a good defense, and it's not just one throw that makes a guy. But I know from that game, I know the third down drop it in the bucket in the back right corner was a throw that that's like that's a pro throw. Yeah, right. That was a big time play, and um, so I had a lot of respect for Houston. They were good, and and that was a that was a game where we struggled for a while. We had to make some adjustments mid game. Had to come back big. We had to come back. I mean, and so. You know, Central Florida. You know, there there was a lot of them, and I'm I'm, I'm proud of those. And but um, those are over. In, a, in any gonna... season that has one loss, it, it, we we can focus on that and 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 kind of isolate in on it for a second. Knowing all that went into that game being set up, how do you view the Coastal game last year? Like like what what's the first thing that comes to your mind when we say Coastal? We just didn't get it done. I, I don't I don't uh, you know I don't have any regrets about taking the game on short notice. I'm not going to make any excuses that we weren't ready. We were ready. They had the same amount of time we did. Um, we just didn't get it done that night. We we made some errors in that game that were uncharacteristic of of our season. We turned the ball over, uh, you know, a couple times or once I think. Um, we just we made penalty s- takes away a touchdown a, on the first play. A, yeah, and and some of those mistakes in that game were by some of our more reliable players, and it just was it was a night where. Uh, you know, you can overcome one or two of those, but we made too many of them in that game, and 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 we just didn't get it done. And, and uh, you got to give them credit, and that's football. Okay, it's eleven and one, like you said, it's done. Uh, we're looking ahead to twenty twenty one, and we already know that uh, you're going to be peppered and have been peppered all day with uh, with the quarterback question. But let's kind of macro it a little bit and talk about where the program is situated right now to kind of not necessarily just fill Zach's shoes without a second thought, but give the new guy whoever it is the best possible chance to have a successful season this year. Yeah, um that's a great uh, so uh, 
that gives me a great opportunity to explain. I think one of the big, biggest reasons Zach took the step forward that he did last year was the play around him mm-hmm. took a huge step forward. We we were executing at a much higher level as an offense uh, last year than we had in years prior, and so it gives the gives the quarterback a chance to look good when you got ten other guys doing their job. And so when I look at this year's team. You know, I don't. I don't think about who's who's gone to the NFL or who's not here. I look at a, at our depth chart, and there's a whole bunch of guys on there that have played a lot of football, and that have been in this program for a while now. And even a couple of the guys we're adding, they haven't been in our program, but they've played a lot of football, played in big games. And so, I think just the fact that we have so many returning players that have a lot of experience is going to give whoever the quarterback is a good opportunity to look good. Visiting with BYU Offensive Coordinator, Quarterbacks Coach Aaron Roderick on this BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We're in Studio 3 here at BYU Radio. Zach Wilson off to the end. By the way, uh, I'm not sure how much you're busy enough, but you have to feel um, a sense from the Jets' perspective that they're really happy with what they ended up with. And that for a guy that's still, you know, learning every day, whether it's OTAs, minicamps, he's showing well and giving the Jets what they thought they got, right? Yeah, I, I warned um, I warned one of their coaches in, um, a while back when they were asking me about him before the draft. I said, this guy's going to wear you out. Like, he... <laughs> He's just uh, he's just got a thirst for knowledge and for football that uh, he 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 never stops seeking more. What's and, an example that you can say personally in your life you noticed that about Zach? Just the nonstop dialogue of questions and um, suggestions, like and, off the clock and, stuff, yeah, like weird yeah, hours. Just, I mean, just like texting me a play that the Packers ran at 11.30 p.m. and how this this fits perfectly with our play-action game. What do you think of this? Or um, things he'd notice about the other team's defense at all hours or, I mean, all summer. Um, and then just the, the, the constant challenge I had of showing up for meetings and making sure I'm prepared, that, I've, that, that I'm not going to walk into this meeting and have him know more about the opponent than I do or mm. – or that he's not going to poke some holes in our game plan that I didn't consider, uh, you know, before I present it. Is it a rare player that has you feeling that way? Yes, yeah. And but what was interesting about it is the other guys are really competitive, and so they followed suit. Mm. And so you get a guy like Jacob Conover, who's basically redshirting, I guess, and and playing scout team who he's really competitive and he's like, well, I'm going to watch as much film as Zach does. And then you got Baylor and Jaron doing that. And then, so now you're going into a room every day where you have four or five really sharp guys that are really prepared and we're all interacting in a, in a way that everyone's learning from each other. And that's, that's another quality of Zach's is that he was never too good to learn from Baylor or Jaron. He was never too good to compete with them either. Like last fall, he didn't, take it as a slight that he had to compete for his job with Baylor. He respected how well Baylor played in his absence, mm-hmm. and he understood the importance of the rest of the team seeing those guys compete and seeing the job be earned just like it is at every other position. And so Zach leaves, but he leaves an impact in the room, like a tangible impact in terms yeah. of how to um, how to go about your day-by-day. Yeah, and I think those guys impacted him as well, And and but no question – he was in a zone last year for, you know, that whole year. And I think the other guys knew it and they were watching it going, wow, this is how it's done. And not only how he played on Saturdays, but just the way he prepared the process that he went through each week. And then I think those guys picked up on a lot of the same habits. Okay, you and the other quarterbacks have already spoken today about the upcoming competition, ongoing competition, really. You kind of synthesized it to three pretty simple things. You said maybe it sounds too simple, but it's protect the ball, move the team, score touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's what you want your quarterback to preside over. Um, fair, fair, fair reassessment there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to is getting touchdowns and – and uh, you can't you can't get touchdowns if you don't have the ball. So you got to start taking care of it. Um, but being able to drive the team down the field and score. I mean, there's a variety of ways that can that the, you can get that done. Um, but leading the team to actual points on the scoreboard. The days of of winning games, you know, seventeen to fourteen or whatever, those are over in yeah. college football. You got to score to win. And we we play for a head coach that wants us to be aggressive and wants to attack. And um, so. 
I've, you know, it, again, it might, it sounds too simple, but that's, that's the deal. And that whoever does that best is going to be our QB. BYU did that best last year in a lot of ways. Led the nation in points per trips inside the 40. Uh, led the nation in uh, explosive plays. There are yards per play. Let's go there. Yeah. Um, top five in, in, uh, in success rate, if you want to go analytics-wise that way. So um, it, was, it was a high-level offense statistically, analytically. How much of what transpired last year with that cobbled-together schedule, how much of that do you think can translate or can um, be reflected again in 2021 with a much more difficult slate of games? Yeah, it, it can translate. It'll, it'll be harder. It'll be harder. But those those numbers that you just mentioned, those didn't happen by accident. That was that was part of the plan. We we set out from from 2019 to 2020. We knew we had to be more explosive, and we wanted to make more big plays. And you know, it's it's tough to drive the ball 12, 14 plays and go get a touchdown. The chances that you're going to make a mistake somewhere, yeah. or that they're going to make a good play and go stop way you, up. go way up. Yeah, and so you've got to get those chunks to score. And so that was that was part of our play design last year. As part of the way we called plays, it was if you noticed how often we went for it on fourth down, we we, we go for it a lot on mm-hmm. fourth down. Um, those were all part of the plan. And so playing against better defenses, you know, the answer is not not going to be to be more conservative and try to try to get a 14 play drive against an even better defense it's going to be to keep being aggressive keep trying to attack and um you know and, and it, again it will be hard it will be hard but i i believe in what we do and i believe in our players and you hope again also that the red zone success that you had last year which is probably one of the biggest differentiators from 2019 to 20 yeah. also you know carries forth in 2021 huge um glad you said that that we we practiced red zone more than uh any team I've ever been on in my career in the off season, we we spent more time planning it and we spent more time practicing it last year than any team I've ever been a part of. And and uh, you know, getting a touchdown when you're down there is huge, and we got to keep being good at that. Before we get a quarterback thumbnail on, on the main guys in the competition to kind of wrap things up with you, I don't really focus on you as as the new OC um, because of your pedigree, uh, how much you've already done it, uh, the things you were already doing uh, with Coach Grimes. Um, what has changed for you from last year to this? Um, really not a lot. And that, that's, uh, you know, with, with Grimey, we had six coaches on offense and, and, um, he was sort of a roamer, you know, we had Mateos coaching the offensive line and we all had our positions mm-hmm. and then Grimey delegated our responsibilities. And then he, he was overseeing things and roaming. And, um, obviously he did a lot with our offensive line, but now that, now that uh, Grimey's not with us, um, I've just left our staff responsibilities the same. We're all coaching the same positions. Everybody's got their same game, you know, game week responsibilities. You know, Fessy does third downs, and I do red zone, and Steve Clark. You know, we all mm-hmm. do our, our different things, and um, those things. I just felt like we're in a good we're in a good groove. We're in a good rhythm. Our players know what to expect from us. Why would we Why would we change that up if we don't have to? And so, really. The change has been minimal because we're all sort of just doing what we've been doing, and we'll miss Grimey because he brought a lot of toughness. He, he he brought a lot of toughness to our program. He's a demanding guy, and we got to make sure we don't lose that. Um, but everything else, as far as what everyone else is doing, remains the same. Okay, not to get short, uh, give short shrift to the other aspects of this offense, um, but I think it goes without saying that you bring back enough snaps at running back and wide receiver to feel very comfortable. Yeah. And the newcomer snaps you bring in with Holker and the, and, and the Nakua's also adds to that. Yeah. Uh, offensive line fills some pretty big holes. There's no doubt about that. But again, there are snaps. There are snaps that were had uh, from guys that weren't necessarily considered starters last year. Yeah, meaningful snaps too. Yeah. I mean, Blake Freeland. You know that guy. He got thrown out there to start his first game ever against Boise State. That was two years ago. He's played a lot of football since then. So I mean, he, I, again, I don't think about losing a guy as good as Brady. I think about well, I'm glad that we have someone like Blake Freeland to take his place. Mm. The guy's six nine. He's a super athlete, and he's played a lot of ball. And you know, and and uh, I look at Joe Tukuafu last year, who filled in really well for James Empey at center in the yeah. games that James was out. And then in the bowl game, uh, Joe gets hurt and Connor Pay jumps in there at center and we don't skip a beat. And um, I don't think anyone even noticed that all of a sudden Connor Pay is playing center. And he hadn't played there all year. He barely had any reps in practice. He just would snap in before practice a little bit just to mm-hmm. get it. So, um, I mean, there's some guys 
that are going to be stepping in that have played a lot of football and um I'm really confident in who those guys are. Okay. We'll end uh, with everyone else's beginning, and that's the quarterback competition. Yeah. Uh, if you were to kind of give us the back of the player card uh, for each of the three yeah. guys that we've kind of established as their competitors, what are you going to say about each of them right now? Um, well, first of all, I think they they have a lot more in common than, than they are different. I okay. think that's, that's one nice thing is that they're all good throwers. They're all good athletes. They're all highly intelligent, mature guys. So – we can run the same offense with all three of them. Okay. That's the first thing. Um, you know, in, in Jaron's case, he played very well for us a couple of years ago when he got to play. He's just he's had a tough time staying healthy. And so that's the challenge for him. If he can if he can prove that he can stay healthy and, and uh you know, get through camp and be out be available every day, he's he's a really good player. And then we know a lot about Baylor. Baylor is a great competitor. He's already proven he can win games for us. Um just a real cool customer like he's he's a he's a uh, not bothered by any pressure or any more he, he's an accurate thrower and a great competitor and then uh, Jacob Conover is a super talented guy that uh, has a lot of swagger he's kind of he, he he reminds me a lot of Steve Sarkeesian and I remember being in the huddle with Sark and Sark might be calling like the simplest run play in our offense, and you just felt like that play was going to score. Like he he just called it like it was the greatest play ever, and then he just kind of had this way about him. It was a sort of an infectious uh, enthusiasm and confidence about him. Jacob has that, and um, he's a little behind those guys in terms of his experience and his knowledge, but he's he closed the gap quite a bit more than I thought he would in spring ball, and so it's going to be fun to watch. And with as much focus as there is on a month of a competition or a season of games, it's a long year, it's a long career yeah. for each and all of these guys. And that has to be also thought about. No doubt. Uh, um, you know, it's about 20 teams a year that make it through the whole season with one QB. BYU was lucky to be one of them last year, yeah, but they hadn't been for a long time. Hadn't been for a long time, correct. And, and, uh, and so I, we've talked about that. And I think these guys get it, too. You know, you look at um, Baylor's been through some injuries. Jaron's been through some injuries. But they're all still young. We've got two sophomores and a freshman. There's enough football ahead for all of them yeah. that if, if, if we all just operate with professionalism and we all compete hard and support each other, there's still a great opportunity for all these guys to have a great story. And, and I think it might not turn out that way, but it, it can. It, it really can. And, and right now the goal is this season. Let's all do our job to get through this season and win as many games as we can working together. And good chance we're going to need more than one of those guys to win. That's the way it's been. Aaron, thanks so much. Thanks for helping me kick off the show. Uh, so excited for the 21 season to come, and uh, appreciate it. Good to start another, another year with you. It's great to be here. Thanks. All right, that's Aaron Roderick, BYU OC and QB coach. Coming up, the Built for Life program, what it is, what it means, next on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel at BYU Football Media Day. You are listening to Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today's coverage is also brought to you by Smith's Food and Drug. Smith's now has grocery pickup and online delivery to save you time. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, 2021 BYU Football Media Day, helping introduce a new career development program called Built for Life, a program that will help uh, lay a foundation for, among other things, uh, name, image, and likeness opportunities that are expected to arise during student-athletes' collegiate careers. Overseeing the new program is new Associate AD at BYU, Gary Verone. And Cash Peterman, BYU kicker punter, is here to talk about the student-athletes' perspective on this new initiative. Gary, Cash, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us, Greg. Yeah, thanks, uh, Gary. What's been the um, what's been the uh, maybe overarching message that you've been able to put forth today with the introduction of Built for Life? I think the most important thing is that it's ind- individualized focus, so it's not a one size fits all program. We want athletes to come here to BYU, uh, namely on the football team, to start launch this this uh, this initiative, and let them know that we care about them as individuals. They want to map out a career path for them and uh, an academic path for them over the next four or five years when they come in as freshmen and then launch them into a career of their choice and hopefully land that dream job 10, 15, 20 years from now. So much focus goes to NIL, name, image, likeness. But I think the the um, the heartbeat of this message today has been that it's it's beyond just a branding uh, component. Is that accurate? That's accurate. So we could, prob- we could implement 80% of the program now 
and we're going to now before NIL passes. As you know, Greg, NIL is fluid. The conversations have been fluid. Several states have passed laws to go into effect July 1 of this year. Some will go into effect next year. Utah hasn't moved on it right now. The federal government is considering a federal bill. Uh, The NCAA is continually having conversations about how to address this issue. I think we're going to see three or four or five different changes to the overarching NIL sphere before we have a solidified program in place. Cash, as someone who's both an active participant, proponent, and also beneficiary of this, how do you view what the BYU unveiled today? I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I loved it right off the start. I'm a big guy in getting out there and doing whatever you can to help those and getting your name out there especially. And uh, as soon as I saw it in the Pronto chat that, hey, anyone who wants to start this, um, now's the chance. We'll help you. We'll walk you along. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and a reason why I came to BYU in the first place is all the help, all the connections like that. So what have you decided to do as an active participant, and who's helping you along? So what I've decided to do, um, a little before I made a chrome helmet, a chrome blue helmet, and it kind of <laughs> went a little big for a bit. Kind of blew up bit. a little bit, yeah. Exactly. People thought BYU was getting chrome blue, <laughs> and um, I just started liking to do that. And um, when the nonprofit idea came out, I was thought, maybe continue doing this and help the young athletes that don't have the equipment, don't have the resources, help them get that, especially here in Utah. And the name of it is called? It's called Helmets for Hope. And and the, the, who is, who's the design genius behind this? Are, are you the guy that's coming up with all this great stuff? Right now, I am the guy. <laughs> I'm the designer. Me and Jacob Conover, he's my, he's the co-founder, me and him since high school. Have always Chandler been. Mafia. Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Chandler boys do it best. And um, yeah, we bounce ideas all, off of each other all the time. There's been some crazy ones that we've had to throw out the window, but we've had some fun making the five that we have right now. So so you create these helmets, design, where, where does the payoff then come? How does it then become something that benefits somebody else? So right now, all of it's been out of my pocket uh, just for fun, little arts and crafts things on the side, and I've been giving them away on my Instagram. And now, since we're going to file it under the 501c3, yeah, non-profit. non-profit, we'll yep. be able to sell the few helmets that we make and the donors that decide to donate to our nonprofit, we'll be able to make them a helmet with their company, their brand, their family, whatever it may be, and um, give that back to them and cycle that money into the people that actually need it. So, Gary, is, is what Cash is doing somewhat prototypical in terms of how this can work in, in, in this environment? Oh, very much so. And I love this because my favorite, we have four main pillars or core values, right. and they are learn, brand, work, and love. My favorite's always been the love, giving back to the community and not just showing what NIL can do for the athlete, but how the community can be blessed through NIL and through his Built for Life program. I just want to add that Cash paid for us out of his pocket. We can't contribute funds because of NI, uh, NCAA rules. Mm-hmm. So he came to me and said, hey, I want to form uh, a nonprofit organization. I, I just don't know how to start the process, but here's my idea. Here's the name of, of the company. Here's my credit card. I want to go <laughs> and, and make the payment right now and launch this baby. And he's done all of the legwork. I mean, I've been there a little bit to advise here and there where I can, but I'm looking forward to the future and having 30, 40 guys on our team either tethered closely to nonprofits or form their own nonprofits. It's going to be a, a great blessing to the community here. How far out in front do you think BYU is, maybe nationally or compared to other programs, with something like this? Uh, are you hearing of similar efforts other places, or is this kind of a first of its kind? I, I think with the four pillars and the love pillar especially, it's the first of, of, of its kind. But there have been several programs laid out in the in the media, whether it's Ohio State's or Alabama's. Texas A&M, they all have a plan for NIL, but there's still too much unknown mm-hmm. right now, and we can't really flip the switch at the moment because nothing's passed in, in those respective states or with the NCAA. But what I think we have as an advantage here is who we are as a church-sponsored school, who our athletes are and their values, that we have the number one economy in our backyard in the Provo Orem area, and also number one state economy and that our guys love the idea of giving back. They're they're very service-oriented, very service-driven. And so I think that component um, in and of itself is unique to BYU. I do know other programs exist out there. We're not trying to be you know, the, the gold standard. We want to be our own standard. 
We should also mention founding partners along with BYU involved are the Salt Lake Chamber, Utah Valley Chamber of Commerce, and Silicon Slopes. Um, with, with Built for Life mentioning the NIL component, um, there's natural attention drawn to the branding aspect. One of the four pillars is branding. And I'll throw this to both of you. Um, as, as people consider what NIL and branding will do uh, for student-athletes, I always come back to what's it going to do within a locker room. Um, there are opportunities for some. There are opportunities for all. And they may be maximized at different levels. Cash, I'll throw this to you first and maybe Gary. How can schools like BYU and others make sure that um, NIL doesn't become – uh, a cash grab, no pun intended, for lack of, <laughs> lack of a better term, right, right. and that you find guys looking around the room going, well, he's getting this for that, and he's getting that for that, but I do this. It's, and, and you know, locker room chemistry, um, the things mm-hmm. that make a team a team, how do you see it all working? And, and so it does not, you know, anything potentially negative. Yeah, I think it goes right down to the leadership and the core values of the team. BYU is a very family-oriented and loving team, and especially with um, at least Jacob Conover, who I have, who I've hung around, the most loving and giving guy you can be around. And I know him being at the quarterback position, probably someone who's going to get a lot of attention and really take advantage of that NIL, he wouldn't be someone to like keep it for himself. He'd want to turn it back to the team, help it to that mm-hmm. whatever 131st person on the roster, trying to get them up, keeping it more level and about the family instead of about each individual because it's an important thing, I think, too, right, that we're not seen as, as within a locker room um, guys being out for their own, so to speak. And, exactly. and I, I, as you say, as long as the leadership is right, you really shouldn't run into that. Exactly. Gary, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, we've wrestled over this question for several hours, me and the co-founder, Billy Nixon. And we think we've largely, as much as we possibly can, have solved the I and the me issue that you're talking about, Greg, with the locker room fracturing over these things. Because – we're going we're gonna to raise up the entire team. We're going to lift the bottom line, right? We're going to help cash his neighbor in the locker room and every guy on that roster build and maximize their own branding potential. And there will be some variance there, definitely. But we want everybody to know that we went all in on them and that when they leave here and leave our campus and go into the professional uh, workforce, that a lot of who they were and who they've become – is because of the Built for Life program and has helped them to be successful. Garrett, uh, before you, uh, by the way, congratulations on 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 the elevation in title and responsibility to associate AD. Uh, where, what were you doing previously, um, and and how and how much did that maybe influence uh, your desire to be a part of this new initiative? Yeah, thank you, Greg, for that. Uh, I was the director of NCAA compliance and eligibility. I worked with the football team directly, yeah. as well as track and field, but I was housed in the football office suite. So I've known Kalani extremely well and the entire coaching staff and support staff and the players whom I love for the past three and a half years. I've traveled with the team to every away game, the bowl games. I've been there in my office greeting them on a daily basis. I've gotten to know a lot of them very well and intimately, and I just, I just love these young men. And so when the idea came that we need to address NIL, but it becomes much more than NIL naturally, Billy and I have started maybe 18 months ago talking about This is Billy Nixon pro- we're talking sorry, about. Sorry, Billy Nixon yeah, and I yeah. talked about a program 18 months ago and how we can draw the best possible recruits but also launch the best possible professionals after they leave BYU. And so we've been in discussions for, for several months now. But because of my close proximity mm-hmm. to football, and I believe Kalani trusts me, he knows that compliance isn't always the best friend, but it's probably the most trustworthy friend at times. Because of that, he's entrusted me to help drive this Built for Life program and the beta test that we did in the spring. And because of that, he endorsed me with Tom Homo, with whom I'm, you know, for which I'm grateful for, obviously. Tom has been a huge part of this. David Almodova has been a massive part of this. Kalani Sataki, Billy Nixon. So it really is a team effort back to Cash's family point. And they all deserve as much, uh, you know, praise as anybody else does. Well, and also congratulations again and kudos to you uh, and excited to see what uh, transpires as a result of this initiative. And Cash, thank you. Congratulations to you on the Helmets for Hope. Um, is it is truly grassroots right now or is there, are there places people can go or just best to follow you on social media to get the – So social media to start right now. Yeah. We'll have the website up in the next couple of weeks and then from there um, 
yeah, I'll be posting things on my social media, getting things out here as best I can. What, what, what's, uh, what are your main handles? It's just my name, Cash underscore Peterman. All right. And it's uh, Cash like it sounds and like it looks and exactly. Peterman like it sounds and like it looks. <laughs> just like money. There right. you go. Quick word about the kickers and punters this year. Thoughts? Mm. Oh. <laughs> you guys ready to roll? Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> real close. We're real tight. Um, Ryan Rico, one of the best punters in the nation. Definitely an NFL leg. Same with Jake Olderoid. Just trying to learn as much as I can from both of them. And yeah, we have depth. We're strong. We'll be just fine. Excited to see you guys. Thanks, thanks to you both. Thanks, Greg. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll it. talk quarterbacks next here on BYU Football Media Day. Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Back after this. This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Exclusive coverage is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, when the 2021 BYU football season kicks off on September 4th in Las Vegas, the Cougs will have a new starting quarterback for the first time since... November 9th, 2019, when Baylor Romney took the first snap against Liberty at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Zach Wilson started the next 16 games for BYU. Now he's gone to the NFL, and Baylor is back, alongside Jaron Hall and Jacob Conover, the three quarterbacks in the mix to start against Arizona in September. All three are in studio today. Baylor, Jaron, Jacob, hello. Hey, Greg. How are we doing? Doing doing? all right. Uh, This is the uh, how many of these have you done, either together or separately today? Too many. <laughs> Amen to that. This is our only our yeah. second one. It's the most time. As a group? Second one as a group. Yeah. And then you've had some individuals as well? Yep. All right. Um, you're not exactly a, a traveling act. I think only one of you uh, will actually be taking snaps uh, at, at any given time. Um, but right now, it's a group thing. Uh, how is it kind of appearing together as a team of QBs, talking about each other and for each other um, as you look ahead to 2021? Baylor, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's different. Usually you're not uh, interviewing with other quarterbacks because usually there's only one of you that, um, I mean, is named the starter. But it's been cool. It's been different. It's been a fun experience um, getting better with these guys over the past couple months, pushing each other, competing with each other, um, and really just getting the team to where it needs to be. Jaron? Yeah, I mean, it's been a collective effort to kind of get the team um, in a good spot during the summer workouts, right, and not look too far ahead and just take every day at a time. But each of us have opportunities to, to – fill our leadership roles and to you know have a an impact on our off-season workout so it's been fun to learn from each other to, to push each other and to enjoy the the summer work with the team Jacob yeah and no, I think these guys said it the just hit the spot um, we're bringing out the best of one another it's been awesome to to push each other to learn from each other and to um, see our strengths and just to build one uh, build one each other up and just get excited for the season okay Jacob you're a freshman and both you guys are sophomores eligibility wise right you can be is that right I mean maybe junior by year but you could be sophomores. Is yeah. that right? Is that accurate, yeah. Baylor? Could be. Okay. Let That being what it is, I want to start with something we finished off with A-Rod about, and that is because you are all so young, um, is it good to be taking kind of a big picture, longer view perspective on things sometimes to realize that it's not just about the month of August or even just about this season, but there's a lot of football for all you guys one way or the other. Maybe you can go in reverse order on that, Jacob through Jaron and then back to Baylor about saying, you know what, there's a long time for all of us to play some football one way or the other. Is that a fair point to make? You know, I think it is. I think each and every one of us have the aspirations to play pro and looking back at our own lives, you know, going from youth football all the way to college, we realize how much time football is. And also, um, you know, it it's it's crazy how this past year with COVID, everyone's got, you know, <clears throat> couple more years to play football yeah. eligibility wise and so i'm um, taking it day by day but also realizing there's a there's a bigger picture Jared? yeah yeah just to do what jake said i think if you look at it as a career standpoint football is a long career man if you if, if you stay healthy and allow yourself to do that stay with the grind so i i don't think there's any rush for you know to to um to stress and to worry about who's going to do what today who's going to mm-hmm. do it tomorrow but you know just take it a day at a time and you know have your goals for the future but realize it's, it's going to be you know everyday work you know to be little by little and and when your time comes your time comes Baylor yeah I think it's important for to have a sense of urgency um we all have a couple of years more to play but to realize life happens you never know you know when your last nap's going to be um, to have a sense of urgency, and I think all of us are doing a great job about that and preparing and really having a goal of being the starting quarterback come fall. Now, Bale, you and Jaron have both been in a situation where you're a snap away, and and last year was the rare year in which 
the guy in game one was the guy through game 12. I mean, it's rare that BYU, in fact, over the last decade, it was the only time it had happened, I think, where a guy was the guy the entire year. So invariably, someone else gets needed. Is that also an important component to consider, that regardless of who the starter is, chances are someone else is going to play meaningful snaps this year? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to think that way. You hope whoever gets the job is going to stay healthy and finish out the season. Um, But like in seasons past since I've been here, there's always been a quarterback competition. And every single week that you're a backup or even third-string guy, you have to prepare as if you're the starter. And I think all three of us in this room have that mindset that you have to prepare as if you're going to be the starter wherever you are on the depth chart, wherever we're at in the season. Okay. Jaron, I want to ask you about something A-Rod talked with me about to start the hour, about the impact Zach Wilson leaves in the room because of how he prepared to play uh, game in, game out last year, because of how intense he was um, you know, in-game, um, off days, late nights, wherever. Mm-hmm. He was so into it that he kind of Aaron thought that he kind of impacted how you guys in observing him kind of approach your you know your your personal prep. Um, and I'm sure you all have your good routines as well. But what did Zach show you, if you want to put it that way, about how to get ready to play? Yeah, I'd say a routine and a schedule. Um, and I think his schedule was 24 seven. You're in football, right? And so for me, it's finding a, a good schedule of spending time to watch film every single day, spending time to learn about defensive fronts, learn about defenses, offenses, why are they doing this, why are they doing that. I think it's taking a, a more a broader uh, approach to football, but also having a more defined schedule and what you're going to do and how often. You know, Zach was a film junkie. We'd always sit next to each other on the plane, and, and I was amazed at how often he'd be watching film versus watching a movie, mm-hmm. you know, before or after a game. And so he set the tone for himself, and you can see the clear differences last year of, of what that did for him. So I think all, you know, all of us have, have already taken a, um, a great leap in, in our preparation, you know, months away from the first game. Okay, how 24-7 can you be when you have, uh, like, a spouse to consider, things like that? You know what? I'm very blessed that my (laughs) wife was an athlete. She played football or uh, soccer at (laughs) UU for for five years, so she understands. It's a kind of football. Some people call it football. It it was the original football, right? So I was right there. Um, So anyway, she understands, and and really she pushes me to do it. You know, she's always always asking me about it and, and reminding me to do it. So she's my partner in crime. Um, my goals are her goals and vice versa. So she wants me to be my best self on the football field, and she's constantly pushing me to do it as well. Jacob, we just got finished chatting with uh, Cash Peterman, who was uh, on right before you came in. Uh, you and Cash uh, go back a little ways, right? Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, he talked about, uh, of course, um, his foundation that you're involved with too, uh, Helmets for Hope. And as, as we talked with, uh, with Gary and Cash a moment ago about the Built for Life, you've got an involvement there uh, too as well. So you're kind of seeing from a grassroots level what this is hopefully going to do for BYU student-athletes moving forward, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been awesome. Cash has really been leading this, and he asked me to come along. And um, just the point of giving back, you know, BYU is a special university. You know, the world is our campus. And what does that really mean? And I think Built for Life is helping us as student athletes, you know, reach our goals on and off the field. And, you know, Cash's drive to connect with the youth of this generation and our vision together with Helmets for Hope, is, it's, it's really been awesome. And it's Built for Life has really sparked this, this dream of ours. Okay, Chandler, Arizona is the connection there, right, with you guys? Yeah. Uh, Baylor, refresh uh, listeners' memories as to where the Arizona thing comes in for you and, and the Romneys. Yeah, so I went to high school in El Paso, Texas. Um, when I graduated, my family moved to Chandler. That's why Gunner says he went to Chandler. That's yeah. why I say I'm from Texas. So yeah. That's how that whole thing works. <laughs> because if people we say, well, no, siblings. he's in El Paso. Go to the Chandler thing. But there's an yeah. Arizona connection we, we there. We are siblings, but we just say we're from different places. <laughs> <laughs> so family connection with the uh, Romneys, obviously, Baylor and Gunner. And uh, the Halls uh, just keep on playing for BYU. And here's the thing. Uh, my first year on the BYU radio broadcast crew as a sideline reporter uh, came 30 seasons ago. This is my 30th season uh, on the crew. And back in the day, when I was just getting going, uh, there was a running back named Kalen Hall at BYU. Um, let's just go back in the let, let's just go back in the way back now. And first of all, we have to confront the fact that I'm really old because I was covering <laughs> your dad. Okay, but uh, man, I, do you ever go back and watch Dad's tape? He was so much fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, so it's funny. When we grew up, he'd never show us anything, and I think he wanted to teach us humility. So he was kind of humble about it his days. We always have to hear from it from the uncles and his friends. But as we got older, a little more arrogant, you know, got caught up in our, <laughs> our success in sports. Now he, he starts to break it out and show us a little bit. So it's it's fun to see his clips and 
and see it posted on on social media or you know discs that we find. So it's it's really fun to to see him playing and, and back when he could move. You know, <laughs> back when he could. I got to see both he and Jamal Willis play together at the same <laughs> yeah. time, which was pretty cool. I mean, I mean that, that was a heck of a backfield. And and uh, again, now I'm just old enough to be you know covering his kids. That's just fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, before we let you guys go, um, we look ahead to to August and and, and what's going to transpire there. What what do each of you expect to be? Um, the marching orders, if you will, that A-Rod's going to lay out to you guys. Uh, in the, will they change it all from spring, or is it just more of what you've already been doing you expect to do in August as we figure this thing out? Baylor? Uh, A-Rod, he's been consistent since he's been here over the four years, and he lets us know what to expect, and I think that's the same as it's been for the past four years from him, that it's going to be a competition, reps are going to be divided equally, and we have to earn more reps. Okay, uh, Jaron? Yeah, likewise. I mean, A-Rod always lets us know what we need to do. There's no questions. Um, but he's very good about reminding us, you know, that we're always one play away, you know. So we always talk about it, but preparing like you're the starter. And so that'll be the goal for all of us, and, and that'll be our focus. But, you know, A-Rod runs a, he runs a tight business in the QB room, and, and we always know what there is to, to look forward to. Jacob? You know, I think uh, the workload as a quarterback, we know what we're into. Uh, we know what we got ourselves into at BYU, and – um, we got to treat every every single rep as if it's the most important rep, you know. Uh, fall camp, it's going to come quick. It's going to go fast, and we just got to take every rep like it's our last. Okay, right before I let you run, one last thing. Uh, Taysom Hill is competing for a starting job with the New Orleans Saints. Zach Wilson's expected to be a starter with the New York Jets. BYU's back in the quarterback business in a lot of ways. Um, how much does that either – I want to even say way upon you, but how how excited does it make you to be part of a program that is again focused so much on at that position, and knowing that there's some not only big shoes to fill, but expectations that this is where BYU goes now at that position, Baylor. Yeah, there's opportunities to play at the next level if you play at this school, and that's exciting for all of us because that's a goal all of us have. Yeah, just did all that, man. I mean, I think even before these guys were playing. The coaches still prepped us for that. We knew that's what we were coming to BYU to do is you know, being recruited. But now just to see these guys succeeding and thriving, I think it brings a whole community together and it, and it puts more um, confidence in BYU's quarterbacks moving forward. That that's the expectation and, and that's the work that we'll need to put in. And we could even add the note that uh, someone like John Beck, who was an NFL quarterback, is gaining a reputation now as a mm-hmm. trainer of NFL quarterbacks. And that's also a BYU connection too, right? Absolutely. Uh, Jacob, thoughts for you, for you on that? You know, I think BYU's reaccepting the winning expectation that it's, it's, it's a choice, but we want to make it a standard of winning here. And there's new excitement um, every, each and every day. Uh, all the players are just ready to rock and roll. Whenever we think about Arizona quarterbacks at BYU, think of Max Hall, uh, one of the greatest winners uh, of all time here at BYU, the greatest winner of all time at BYU. You and Max have a relationship? We do. We have a really, really tight relationship. And uh, how's he doing these days? He's doing awesome. Him and his family are just rocking and rolling. Him, Ty Detmer, Dennis Pitt are all coaching together now. It's, yeah, it's so it's, cool. It's awesome. That's great. Guys, uh, good to have you in. I'm sure we'll get to talk more with uh, all of you, not only this season, but seasons to come. Look forward to 2021. Thanks again. Thanks, Thank you. All right, Thank those you. are the quarterbacks. Jacob Conover, Jaron Hall, and Baylor Romney. We will head to the defensive side of the ball next on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel at BYU Football Media Day. Stay with us. This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day 2021. Waves a receiver downfield, deflected, picked off, intercepted by the Cougars at the near sideline. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Exclusive coverage is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Well, during this morning's The State of the Program show, BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki said BYU's an offensive school, but the BYU defense was nationally outstanding in 2020. Top 10 in scoring and total defense and returning a ton of snaps in important spots, including on the D-line and in the linebacking court. And we're pleased to welcome in for a few moments, about five or six minutes, lineman Uriah Leatawa and linebacker Peyton Wilgar. Lopa, good to speak with you. Thanks for having us. Peyton, good to see you. Yep, thank you. Well, let's first of all go to the uh, Lopa uh, situation. Uh, Uriah Leotawa is what we see on the depth chart, but yeah. everyone calls you Lopa because yeah. it's your? Middle name. Yeah. So, so and it's all right. Go with Lopa, right? Yep. It's cool with me. Do, do more people call you Lopa than anything else? Uh, yeah. I think the whole team calls me Lopa. So I don't think it. anyone else calls me Uriah. <laughs> you don't call me Uriah, do you? No. Lopa. Yeah, <laughs> He's Lopa. Lopa. And, and, and you're, you're Peyton or Peyton, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 2020 uh, was a season that almost didn't happen, and then it ended up being like a season for the ages at BYU. And as much focus as Zach got and great things on that side of the ball, defense just balled out in 2020. How much pride do you guys look back on that season with last year and say, yeah, BYU's not just an offensive school, Pate? Yeah, I mean, I think 
we need offense and defense to win games, you know, and I think we hold a lot of pride being able to stand out and make plays for our offense as them for us. Lopa. Yeah, um, I agree with Peyton. When uh, the offense works together with the defense, it's just a beautiful game to watch. Uh, the defense has always been ready to step up to the game, and we were just really excited to have the offense light up fireworks last year. What was Coach E most focused on with you guys last year in terms of here's where you can have the biggest impact? Peyton, what would you say to that? You know, I think just doing us, just focusing on what we can do, game plan for us. With with our schedule kind of being up in the air last year, just uh, games showing up left and right, you know, just kind of do us and work on us and control what we can do. Lopa. Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, he always made sure that we knew our game plan and uh, everyone was a Simon sound so that the offense could do what they had to do. As good as you guys were last year, uh, what would be something that either Coach E or you guys as players already believe you can take a step forward with in 2021? Lopa? I think uh, just pushing it to the next level. I know we have a lot of guys that left last year, but we have a lot of talent still here that needs to step up, and I feel like everyone's ready to show it off. Peyton? Yeah, I agree with Lopa. Just a lot of young guys being able to step up and uh, play to the best of their abilities. Okay, can you speak for the linebacking core and give us, uh, we know some of the main names we're going to be aware of, Keenan, yourself, Max. Uh, who are some guys that uh, that are going to hold firm on the depth chart and give you guys the kind of strength you guys need as, as a core? Yeah, I mean, I trust everyone. I would feel comfortable putting any of our linebackers in the game. Ben Bywater, Josh Wilson, Jackson Kafusi, Drew Jensen, they're all ready to play, and I think anyone can step up and play at any time. Okay, time to shout out the D-line. Oh, man, my boys are all ready. We got Zoe, uh, we got... A lot of people don't talk about Earl, but Earl, Earl needs some attention, too. Okay, so Zoe is Lorenzo Fawatea. Lorenzo Fawatea. Earl is Earl Tuyoti Mariner. Mariner. Um, Gumby, who is Gabe Summers. <laughs> and, uh, okay. You guys need to focus on some of these D-linemen. And another guy that people need to watch out for is Pepe. Everyone knows about Batty and stuff, but Pepe is... Tanavasa? Yes. Yeah. Now, people Tanavasa. might have thought of him as a linebacker, right? He's, he's made, is he kind of an edge guy now, or are you thinking of him as a, a D-lineman? Yeah, he's like a hybrid between us. Yeah, yeah. he's like a hybrid, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's All right. He has done awesome, Pepe. Yeah, Tyler Batty's back, right? Yeah, Batty's back. Everyone knows about Batty. I'm just trying to shout out all the like underrated guys, <laughs> like Nisa. Alter Nisa, oh, he's something something you guys have to watch for this fall for sure. Inside it knows, right? Inside it knows, yeah. And uh, how about uh, uh, Fisher? Oh, Fisher's good. Yeah. yeah. He'll, be, he'll still be around, right? I'm, I'm excited for Fisher. I'm, I'm, I want to see how he does. Okay. Have you uh, been in touch with uh, Kyrus since uh, since draft day? Yeah. He snaps me here and there. We talked <laughs> a couple of times, actually. Is he loving life? He's loving life. He sends me some uh, some uh, some of his practice videos from when he's out there, and it's just fun to see him having fun out there. Uh, I mean, how excited? I mean, he gets drafted, but do you guys on the D-line kind of feel like, hey, we got drafted? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Hey, we're also happy for Kyrus. And then Zach Dosto doing his thing out in Atlanta. So we're super excited for the both of them. All right, we have literally one minute left with you guys. We'll take 30 seconds from each of you on uh, how stoked you are, basically, to be playing the kind of schedule you are that puts you in a place for some national, like, noise-making opportunities. Peyton? Yeah, I'm beyond excited for the schedule and hopefully no more pandemic restrictions. Let's get the fans back. Let's get everyone involved. And I'm I'm super excited. Lopa. Yeah, P5 or anything, we're not afraid of no one. I don't think uh, we're intimidated by any kind of, you know, how big your school is. We're ready to rock. Like, and fans back at Lavella Bridge Stadium, hello. Yeah. How good is that going to be? Amazing. Amazing, yeah. It's going to feel amazing. You're right about that. Guys, thank you both for coming in. Appreciate the time here at the end of the first hour. Thank you. All right, that is Peyton Wilgar and Uriah Lopa Leatawa. That'll do it for our first hour of BYU Football Football Media Day on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel here at Studio 3 at BYU Radio. Coming up in the next hour, more BYU football coaches and players as we look ahead to the 2021 football season, which kicks off on September 4th in Las Vegas. More Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel coming up next.